reflection on dhamma or meditation on dhamma this is uh, one of the four foundations of mindfulness the word dhamma is used uh, in several different uh, sense in the among all these usages uh, there is one word that uh, we can use for to encompass all the meanings that word the buddha used in several places especially in buddhist uh, terminology dhamma means the objects that go to the mind through our senses they all are called dhamma that means all mind objects are called dhamma all other meanings included in that one word when we use the word dhamma with capital d we mean the buddha teaching if we use the word dhamma in simple d that means any object that mind holds on to or any mind object is dhamma uh in satipatthana sutta under the name of dhamma there are five categories such as hindrances the aggregates six senses their objects and fetters called 
Sangyojanat. Factors of awakening and four noble truths. These are the five categories. Among all dhammas, Buddha selected these five. There can be many more, but uh, when we meditate using these five categories is very important because these are the things that we have to deal with among them hindrances everybody every meditator is familiar with them because they are the ones that they have to deal with every meditator has to deal with obstructions and uh, without these obstacles they cannot proceed and they cannot gain sharpness of the mind. Mind becomes very sharp, clear, concentrated only when hindrances, obstructions are removed from our mind, even temporarily. Removing them temporarily gives us great joy, pleasure, happiness, equanimity, and concentration. As long as hindrances are there, proceeding with our practice will be rocky, difficult. So people, we have to recognize them as they arise. They don't arise all together and they are not in the mind always. They arise and pass away because they also are subject to the dependent origination. If one see any of these factors arising, how they arise, how long they stay, and then how they pass away, then one would see that they don't arise alone. They don't arise, they don't exist by themselves. They arise due to certain causes and conditions. <coughs> For instance, one hindrance called very popular one is <laughs> greed. Greed. 
when the greed arises, something else arises along with the greed. You don't have to look in, in, in books or listen to somebody's talks and have university degree to understand this relationship with two things. As greed arises, when, when it arises, you must ask yourself, am I happy? You ask yourself, don't ask me, don't ask somebody else. Look at your mind. Look at your mind and you will be the judge you, and you will give the certificate to what you know. When greed arises, along with that pain arises, doesn't it? When greed arises, pain arises. This is what we read in uh, learn in the dependent origination. When this arises, this arises. When this arises, this arises. Not the, when this arises, that arises. Imas means sati idang hoti. In Pali word, <coughs> in Pali, imas means sati idang hoti. When this arises, this arises. Or this being, this arises. Why is the word this and this are used? This, this, instead of this and that. It is in our conversation you can say this and that, <laughs> but when you look at the mind, you can, you can see when this arises, this arises, meaning when anger arises, at the same time, simultaneously, pain arises, disappointment arises. These two don't take turns or priority when one arises and then the other arises. They arise both together. This is the nature of Dhamma. We say Dhamma and Pasana, meaning Anupasana, we must remember when we practice Vipassana, we also must know the word Anupasana. Vipassana doesn't make any sense if we don't understand Anupasana. Anupasana, that is why the word used Kaya Anupasana, Vedana Anupasana, Chitta Anupasana, Dhamma Anupasana. <coughs> Anupasana means becoming aware or see exactly as it is happening. This, the prefix anu in Pali is used to show simultaneity, happening something at the same time. For instance, when one goes in Pali and somebody else goes along with that person. To express this, 
meaning these two occurrences simultaneous occurrences we say gachanto anugachyati when one goes another one is going another one also goes at the same time when one sits another person also sits that's called tittanto anutittati for anything that any any two things happening together at the same time the word or anu or prefix anu is used so anupassana therefore seeing something happening at, as it is happening so when uh, greed arises if we are mindful along with the greed pain arises when anger arises along with anger pain arises when confusion arises along with confusion pain arises so the pain or suffering does not exist by itself it arises along with something else when confusion arises pain or suffering arises when greed so greed hatred and delusion as they arise pain or suffering arises seeing this is this happening as it is happening is called anupassana another example these are not my word my example the buddha's own example because buddha is the one who expounded the dhamma the truth there is a discourse called uh, upanishad sutta in sanyutta nikaya upanishad upanishad sutta says when one is observing moral principles lived ethical life moral life when that person wants to meditate that person does not not even meditate any time when somebody lives a moral life ethical life that person doesn't have to wish to be free from remorse the one who observes moral principles does not have to wish let me be free from remorse why dhamma dhyasa bhikkhave buddha said this is the nature of dhamma the nature of dhamma is that when the person observes moral principles the person is free from remorse is the nature of dhamma somebody else does not bring remorse to your mind your own doing brings remorse to yourself so when you observe moral principles 
at the same time remorse leaves your mind mind will be free from remorse like that hindrances are five when buddha said when one when there is no hindrance in the mind be mindful of that state that there is no hindrance hindrances are not always uh, in the mind they come due to certain conditions they come asantang vajatang kamachandandi metatang kamachanduti pajanati when you don't have greed kama chanda means desire for sensual pleasures desire to see objects desire to hear sounds desire to smell desire to taste desire to touch desire to think certain things this desire is all this is called kama you like chanda means desire you like to hear is called kama chanda desire to see when you meditate all of a sudden <laughs> you remember very very beautiful movie or person or scenery animal safari something like that you comes to your mind and then can you meditate your mind will be normally we say mind goes there mind travels friends mind does not travel at all mind circulates within itself goes around itself through the memory memory is the vehicle we remember hearing about the person situations or we have seen something in the past and so forth and so on the sight whatever we have seen impression is in our mind as memory and suddenly this memory becomes active and that mind will be there holding on to that memory similarly you have heard sound and memory you have memorized it because this if the sound is pleasant you memorize if the sound is very bitter also you memorize it the mind remembers all this and then they become active in trying to meditate like that at that time they become dhamma all those memories that in your mind that you have uh, stocked uh, accumulated all of them are called dhamma so they always don't play in your mind when they arise become aware of it when they are not in the mind become aware of it you don't have to worry about you don't have to invite them don't worry about them 
If they are not there, you just continue your meditation. Then, Santangu Ajatang Kamachandang Atimi Ajatang Kamachandotu Bajanati. When that particular uh, sensation, desire arises in my mind, uh, decide to hear or smell or taste and so forth, in your mind, you become aware of it. Ah, this was not there, now it is there. And you keep paying attention to it and also become aware of the pain you have when that particular desire arises, the pain arises. <coughs> Disappointment arises because you cannot meditate. And you become, uh, pay attention, uh, what you call mindful attention. Yonisomanisikara. Yonisomanisikara is mindful. We translate it as mindful attention. Uh, Yoni means uh, origin, root, birthplace. Manisikara means reflection. That means you reflect pay mind attention, undivided, pure, clean attention to how it arose. That is called Yoniso Manasikara. And when greed arises, you pay mindful attention. As you keep paying attention, as attention is increasing, mindful attention is increasing, then that particular hindrance in this case, as example, I took greed, fades away. When it fades away, then you become aware of the fact that it is no longer there. Because hindrance is not something permanent. This is one thing we do in Vipassana meditation. That is Anupassana. We see when it arises, we see it arose. And since it is not permanent, it disappears, then we become aware of the fact that it is, dis dis it is dis disappeared, gone. Then you keep paying attention to your original subject, like breath. And then you notice that the, the particular hindrance is gone, is not arising again. So, when that particular hindrance is gone and does not arise again, you become mindful of it. <coughs> this is how this section is used. That is, mindful of hindrances. I don't have to go through all these hindrances because you all meditators already are aware of these hindrances. <coughs> then, uh, in the next category you have the five aggregates. What are the five aggregates? Again, form, feeling, perception, volitional formations and consciousness. You become aware of form, form that, that you have seen as an image stays in your mind, 
for a while and then you become aware of it and it fades away, you become aware of it. Once it is faded, it doesn't come back again. You become aware of it. And uh, form is not something, uh, something solid. In reality, although we superficially, any form appears to be us, it appears to us to be solid. Friends, no form is solid. They all are made up of particles. Human form, animal form, and an inanimate form, whatever form we call, they all are made up of various particles uh, and then gives, them, gives an impression of solidity, solidity. That is our perception, <coughs> perception of solidity. But uh, uh, in reality, it is made up of various particles, and it is therefore continuously changing. Form, that is why this, our forms, our forms, you don't have to go go through go to some distance or read in books or to understand the uh, impermanence of the form look in the mirror go and look in the mirror mirror will show you some wrinkles on your face some grey hair on your face, on your head, sometimes no hair at all, sometimes uh, more salt and more pepper. <laughs> so you, can, you don't need to learn it from books. This form has been changing from the moment the form came into existence. And that change sometimes is called growth, sometimes called aging, depending on what you want, how you want to use it. When you are very young, you say growing. When you are in 80, 90, you see people say you are aging. It is only a matter of usage of words, but in reality, what happens is the same thing. <laughs> baby is growing, adult is aging. Is there any difference? No difference. This is the Dhamma, the truth. Change is the truth. That is Dhamma. And this Dhamma is called established Dhamma law of Dhamma and uh, root of Dhamma. Buddha said whether the Buddha is coming to existence or not, this Dhamma exists. What Dhamma? Law of Dhamma, root of Dhamma, 
and establish Dhamma. What is the root of Dhamma? Law of Dhamma and establish Dhamma of Dhamma. Establish Dhamma. Upadava bhikkhu tathagatanam, anupadava tathagatanam, tita vasadhatu dhamma tithata, dhamma niyamata, sabbe sankhara anicca. Whether the Buddha has come to existence or not, this established dhamma, this root of dhamma, this law of dhamma exists, that is, all conditioned things are impermanent. Are they not? What are the conditioned things? What are these conditioned things? Us. We all are conditioned things. We start our conditioning, we I mentioned it several times already. <coughs> we start conditioning from the moment we were conceived in the mother's womb. And that conditioning, uh, we continue in, after we came out of the mother's womb, we continue this conditioning. One very uh, inevitable conditioning is the body conditioning. We condition our body, whether we like it or not. How do we condition our body? This is the truth, this is Dhamma. Body conditioning is Dhamma. And body conditioning is also called Sankara. Sankara. Sankara and Dhamma are not two different things. <coughs> because they all have the same nature. Uh, we condition, uh, this is called body conditioner. Uh, what is the body conditioner? Inhaling and exhaling, breathing. Can we live without breath? No. How breath conditions the body? Because when we breathe, we bring oxygen into our body. Oxygen, every tiny little cell, atom, molecule in this body needs oxygen. Otherwise they will die. Every moment we breathe in, we bring oxygen and charge the red blood cells that have come to our lungs without oxygen. And then this oxygen-rich red blood cells go to the heart. Then heart pumps and goes this oxygen throughout the body, throughout our cells. And then new cells arise from our liver, uh, our marrow, uh, stem cells, and so forth, new red blood cells arise. And then they also come to lungs, and they, we, we bring more oxygen. 
So we keep bringing oxygen to charge these new red blood cells with oxygen. <coughs> and this oxygen goes around our body. And this is how the breath becomes body conditioner. Buddha did not use these words uh, without any sense, with great deal of in, uh, insight, wisdom, understanding, he used these words. So, that is how the Dhamma works. This is the nature. And then, <coughs> form, feeling, next aggregate, feeling also is constantly changing. As we breathe in, the, we have one feeling, and when the breath goes into the lungs, we have another feeling. When the breath comes out, we have another feeling. So feeling keeps changing as we breathe in and out. Our aches and pain here and there in the body also are changing. This is the nature of Dhamma. And then our perception is changing even much faster than all this. Our thoughts change all the time. And our consciousness is changing. And this is the nature of Dhamma. So we must reflect on these changes in our body, feeling, perception, thoughts, and consciousness. Friends, in Vipassana meditation, if you don't see the changes, you don't practice Vipassana meditation. You may be doing something else. In Vipassana meditation, one main thing or the essence is seeing changes, seeing impermanence within us. There's, it has a very great uh, benefit. And then the third category of Dhamma Anupasana in Satipatthana is uh, <coughs> is more complicated. That is uh, senses, sensory objects, and the desire arising through them, or hindrance or fetter arise through them. For instance, uh, you know there are ten fetters. Uh, they are called Sankhaiti, Tivitikicca, and so on, Silambhata Paramasa, Kamaraga, Vyapada, Ruparaga, Ruparaga, Manuddha, Chavidya. These are the ten fetters. That means in English, Sankhaya Ditti, view the body as self. That's a view. That, that, that view is number one. Vijigicha is doubt, of all sort of doubt. 
Third is believing in attaining liberation by following rules and rituals. Then greed, number five, hatred. Then desire for material existence, material, fine material existence. Desire for immaterial existence. Uh, conceit then uh, restlessness and avijja, ignorance. These are the ten fetters. When the senses and sensory objects come together, one of these fetters can arise. Senses themselves are not fetters, sensory objects are not fetters, but the combination of these two is the fetter. The joining factor is the fetter. For example, when uh, uh, red bull is tied to white bull, red bull is not the fetter to the white bull, nor the white bull is fetter to the red bull. But the yoke that binding them together is a fetter. That which binds two things together is called fetter. And we see this phenomenon happening in our mind when we are really mindfully practicing meditation. This is the third category. The fourth category is the category of uh, seeing Factors of awakening, factors of awakening called bodhyanga, bodhi anga. The fact anga means limb or factor or branch. Uh, bo, some bodhi means enlightenment or awakening. Factors of enlightenment or awakening are called some bodhyanga. Also, there are 37 of them. These 37 uh, are compressed uh, into seven. They are Sati, Dhammavichya, Virya, Piti, Pasadi, Samadhi, Upekha. Mindfulness, investigation, energy, joy, Tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. These are the seven factors of liberation, attaining enlightenment. So, as they arise, they also can arise anytime. For instance, you practice mindfulness. Every time you practice mindfulness, that practice of mindfulness go to the basket of mindfulness factor of enlightenment. Assume that these are seven baskets, seven containers. One container is called mindfulness. Another container is called investigation. Another container is called energy. Fourth container is called tranquility. Fifth container is called <coughs> uh, 
fifth canton is joy and sixth is uh, uh, concentration the last basket is called equanimity now <clears throat> any time you practice uh, mindfulness even for one minute you build up the factor of enlightenment one minute meditation we recommend people to do one minute meditation that one minute meditation goes to the mindfulness basket when you make effort to practice my meditation to get rid of all your unwholesome mental state and developing wholesome mental state and so on you develop uh, increase your effort and that effort whenever you do not any other physical effort or do effort to various things like doing business but any effort you make to improve your mind in spiritual path the following the dhamma that effort goes to that effort basket that is how when any time you have uh, <coughs> investigation like discussing dhamma uh, thinking about dhamma and uh, uh, reading dhamma book and in, in, improving your wisdom understanding that little bit keep accumulating <coughs> collecting collecting and go to that account investigation account <laughs> i use this uh, mundane terms so there are seven baskets or seven accounts if you are an accountant <coughs> so what whenever you practice effort spiritual effort effort to prevent effort to overcome effort to introduce effort to cultivate and so forth four type of effort any time you practice effort that practice of effort goes to the effort account so eventually you build up these seven accounts called seven factors of enlightenment name is different but the practice is wonderful so you don't have to practice mindfulness 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 only mindfulness all the time but any time you practice mindfulness that goes there this is how you build up then the last category the fifth category is the <coughs> four noble truths the four noble truths also uh first is uh, suffering <clears throat> i said at the very beginning whenever you get angry suffering arises so you see how suffering arises you don't ask me you don't tell buddhism is suffering 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 talking about pessimism you don't talk about buddhism you ask you look at yourself do i suffer when i get angry you don't have to have the buddha to come to tell you you are having suffering you don't have to be a buddhist to understand suffering 
you have a Christian, Hindu, Muslim, Jew, even without any religion, whoever gets angry at that moment, that person has suffering. Isn't it? So this is how we like, we try to learn suffering in our own mind and body. Whenever we are very friendly, very compassionate, are we happy or upset? When you are very compassionate, are you upset? No, you are very happy. I don't have to tell you that. The Buddha doesn't have to tell you that. You know that from your own experience. So, suffering and un uh, suffering and uh, happiness, you experience yourself. And the uh, cause of suffering what is the cause of suffering? Your anger, your greed, your jealousy, your fear, tension, causes of suffering. Because you don't know, this is called ignorance, you don't know what jealousy does to you. <laughs> and you simply become jealous. That's okay. Just jealous. And keep suffering. So you can see the relationship between suffering and happiness. Suffering and cause of suffering. That is Dhamma. <clears throat> then, it comes, it must come to an end. All the the coming to an end of all suffering, in one word, is called Nibbana, attaining liberation. Liberation means liberation from any kind of suffering. You can make a list of suffering, all kinds of suffering, you can make a list. No matter how big the list is, Complete elimination of that list, list is attaining Nibbana or Nibbana. If you have 10% uh, uh, greed, you have 10% suffering. <clears throat> so whatever degree of greed you have to that extent, proportionately you have suffering. When you have completely destroyed the greed and ignorance, you have no suffering, you are enlightened. Very brief. Of course, there is a way, that is the Noble Eightfold Path. This is, in brief, the noble, Four Noble Truths, the Dhamma. Friends, this is the nature of existence, that is Dhamma. Then, <coughs> The, uh, the word Dhamma, in other words, is untranslatable. <coughs> there are so many things 
but only through wisdom we understand what the dhamma is there are certain pali words which we cannot translate into any language uh, except using the pali word and explaining it that's all we can do for instance sankhara sankhara we cannot translate into english or any other language but when we give a few examples you may get a glimpse of the meaning not the full meaning for instance sankhara <coughs> also dhamma i said uh Uh, sankara means conditioning uh when you we dress up we dress up in various ways that uh dressing up to cover our nakedness various type of things we do to cover our nakedness that covering our nakedness is sankhara in other words for instance uh, another example is very common thing you have seen movies and seen movies one actor put on various type of things on him uh and then act as a judge in one movie and the same person put on various other things on his body and act as a thief robber the same person put on various other things on his body and act like a buddhist monk all he had to do is to cover the body in various ways if he has hair head hair he shave it and put on various all these decorations we call conditioning or sankara so one time you use this as a table another time we take all these things and make into a, a chair the material is the same we take them and change the shape and usage we change <coughs> and this changing into one thing into another thing is called sankara <coughs> that means can something condition to appear something else is sankara so it, in pali the word sankara we understand to some extent better than any other it's any, any uh, translation in any language <coughs> uh all conditioning for existence all kind of conditioning we do for existence and all these uh preparation activities uh, conditioning all are called sankara and we all are sankhatas 
Sankara is the preparation, arrangement, and activities, and so forth. Sankata is its product. After doing all these things, it comes to one product. That is called Sankara. Anyway, all this can be called, all this can be called Sankara. Then, so the word Dhamma, I'm trying to make some sense out of Dhamma. Therefore, Dhamma is something eternal. What is this eternal Dhamma? Uh, very beautiful stanza is there in Pali. I tell you the stanza and try to tell the meaning. Nahi verena verani sammanti the kudachanam averena cha sammanti esa dhammo sanantano. Anger will not be appeased by anger. By not, anger can be appeased by not getting angry. This is an eternal dhamma. This is an eternal dhamma. That means this uh, phenomenon does not change. That means not by not getting by getting angry, you cannot stop anger. And therefore there is no just anger. Anger is anger. It can never bring happiness or peace. But peace can bring by not getting angry. This is an eternal law. Nahi verena verani. By becoming, becoming uh, uh, full of grudge, you cannot stop grudge. Nahi verena verani sammanti yata kudachana. Averene cha sammanti. By not having grudge, you can stop the grudge. That means by love alone, anger can be appeased, removed. This is called eternal dhamma. And that is something. Another thing is, Dhamma is always fresh. Buddha has given a beautiful simile. Everybody, most uh, uh, Theravada people coming from Theravada tradition, uh, remember Ratana Sutta. Ratana Sutta. In Ratana Sutta, there is one sentence, one stanza. It's called Vanapagumbe Yata Pusitage Gimmanamase Patamasmin Gimme Tatupaman Dhamma Varanga Desai Nibbanagami Paramanghitaya. In this book, you can see that stanza. I read it for you. 
పేజ్ ఒకటి ఓకే హియర్ ఈజ్ ద స్టెన్స్ ఐ రీట్ ఇన్ 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 ఇంగ్లీష్ నవ్ లైక్ వుడ్ లెండ్ గ్రో ఇన్ ఇన్ బ్లాసన్ ఇన్ ద ఫస్ట్ హీట్ ఆఫ్ సమ్ so is the most excellent dhamma that he taught leading to nibbana the highest good so the dhamma is all like compared to the like woodland grows in blossom in the first heat of summer that means in the spring everything is blossoming flowers everything is fresh fresh leaves fresh flowers fresh little baby animals you know insects and so forth are always active always active in spring dhamma is like that always fresh always fresh because it never becomes old everything can becomes old can grow old aging and death and so forth dhamma never becomes old they will never become stale they will never become uh, distasteful it is always fresh that is the dhamma buddha taught then i must say one thing before i end it ధమ్మాపిభిక్షవే పాతబ్బాపగే వధమ్మ బట్ డోంట్ క్లింగ్ టు ధమ్మ యూస్ ద ధమ్మ అండ్ లెట్ ఇట్ గో దట్ ఈస్ అ వండర్ఫుల్ మెసేజ్ ఈవెన్ దో ధమ్ ఈస్ సో ఫ్రెష్ సో వండర్ఫుల్ డోంట్ క్లింగ్ టు ధమ్మ Buddha gave very beautiful similes. One is the simile of raft in Alagaddhupa Sutta in Majjhiminikaya. Raft. Another simile in, uh, I don't remember the place. That means when you use a raft to uh, cross a body of water, after crossing the body of water, what would you do with the raft? You carry on the shoulder, no you leave it behind for anybody else to use you go free another simile is the same thing you want to cross a flooded river and there is no boat but there is a rope the vine hanging from a tree you hold on to the vine and swing and swing and go to the other side when you go to the other side what do you do do with the with the wine with the rope if you don't let it go you will come back <laughs> to the <laughs> same place where you started dhamma is like that like a rope or boat or climb a ladder when you climb a ladder you hold on to one rung and step on the other rung if you want to go to the next 
go to the step out of the next rung, you got to let go of the one you are holding. Dhamma is like that. No matter how beautiful, how wonderful Dhamma is, don't cling to it. If you cling to Dhamma, you will be, you will end up as a fanatics, religious fanatics, and fight with others. With this friend, I want to conclude today's Dhamma talk. And uh, I will be back again at 5 o'clock to answer your questions. And then please write your questions in a legible hand and uh, short question. Don't take one page and write 10 questions, one person. Okay? Thank you.